Well, there was quite a turnaround overnight from the sharp falls in share prices and the rise in bond yields that we saw after the FOMC press conference to falling yields, a flattening curve and shares trying to climb back this morning. We'll look at how the market is still reacting to what was perhaps a bit more hawkish than expected, Jerome Powell yesterday. So what was it he said that set everyone off? Plus, inflation. More news on that today. US GDP yesterday and for Europe today. So there's a bit to chew on for the end of the week. It's the morning call from NAB. It's Friday, the 28th of January, 2022. Good morning. Well, the US dollar gained more strength today. That's another 0.7% on the DXY. Now it's at 97.2, almost actually to 97.3 today, the highest it's been since July 2020. So what's that done to other currencies? Well, the euro is down 0.8%. The Aussie is down more than 1%. The pound is down 0.6%. We have big demand for bonds since the FOMC yesterday. 10-year Treasury yields down eight basis points this morning, down to 1.79%. Canadian yields also down, losing seven basis points. But a different story in Europe where yields are actually rising up three basis points for 10-year gilts, for example, and up in Asia too. We had uh, eight basis points up on uh, Aussie 10 years, up over 2% now for the first time this year and close to where it was in late August, which is actually the highest it's been since late 2019. And shares, they had a go at trying to recover from yesterday after that big fall after the meeting, but it's uh, not really worked ultimately. Uh, the Dow is now down a quarter percent, spent a lot of the session uh, above zero. Uh, the S&P 500 down half a percent the nasdaq down 1.2 percent uh the nasdaq is now down more than 14 percent so far this year and oil easing off now brent down below 90 dollars uh, and both brent and wti down well over half a percent this morning we also had a two percent drop in gold this morning as well and a 4.8 percent fall in silver so here we are we're day on from the fed meeting let's take stock with nab's gavin friend in london we saw that swift reaction in bonds and equities. Then we've seen a reversal of sorts today. Well, certainly as far as bonds are concerned, uh, and a lot of uncertainty, I'd say. So what is it that Jerome Powell did or didn't say that caused that swift market reaction that we saw yesterday and uh, a sort of shifted thinking a bit today? You're right. Good morning, Phil. It's all about that aftermath, isn't it, of the Fed announcement? I mean, yeah, <clears throat> to, to your point, there has been quite a strong reaction to your yields holding a, a basically a 15 basis point uh, rise further out the curve. You know, the initial jump, as you say, in the 10 year and the 30 year yields um, of what, 10 basis points and six basis points, respectively, has um, has been given up. Um, in fact, you know, as we sit here now, uh, 30 year yields are down four basis points. So they've given up uh, and some really. And we've got this flattening of the yield curve, uh, two tens down by what, um, 19 basis points really over the two days, two's 30s down by 25 basis points over that period. And and that flattening has, you know, gone hand in hand with equity markets that were, I guess, up for a good deal of Thursday. Um, for most of the day, US stocks were up about 2% or so, then faded into, well, after the European close, I think Tesla uh, wasn't a help, uh, down 8%, some comments, some cautious comments on supply chain issues. Intel weighed on the chip, mark, chip, mark, uh, chip maker market after a disappointing um, profit uh, outlook uh, forecast. But coming back to the, uh, and the, and I guess also the data was a little bit so-so. Durable goods uh, for December, disappointing. Um, the headline there really falling 0.9%. The market was looking for 
0.6% fall. Aircraft wasn't um, much of a help there. But also the core capital goods orders, it was flat. Market was looking for a four-tenths gain. GDP for Q4, it looked better at first blush, coming in at, uh, what, 6.9% uh, Q on Q annualised, um, above the, the market's you know forecast of sort of 55 to 6%. We've got Omicron on top of that, though, because, I mean, that was really, I mean, that was for Q4. We really hadn't seen Omicron start to take its mark at that point, had we? So it's, it's not going to sustain that into the next quarter, is it? No, indeed. And then the only thing that, uh, the, the, the big difference in why GDP was above analyst forecast was because, of the con- the contribution from inventories, inventories really rebounded and added 4.9 percentage points to the total. Um, now that was evident in the data that we saw yesterday in the retail hotel sales numbers, but but actually, um, you know what that suggests is going forward, it's very unlikely that's going to be sustained. If you look at the Bloomberg consensus for Q1 GDP now, it's getting down towards the you know you know the low single digits. So you know I, I've seen some forecasts of zero. Uh, again, Omicron is going to be, uh, you know, a factor in that. But coming back to your question, and, and, and have you, and as well, you know, have you heard interest rates are going up? That might have a, <laughs> might have a bit of an impact as well. But Indeed. I mean, yeah, getting back to my question, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll partially answer, and you tell me if I'm wrong. But I think it was that statement which we talked about yesterday, but maybe we didn't make enough out of it. Was the fact that he was saying, you know, last time we we raised interest rates, the economy wasn't in as good a place as it is now, and everyone's taken that as meaning, oh, that means more. Interest interest rate hikes this time well look i mean we know that powell chair powell pivoted to a more hawkish position over the last sort of couple of months and, and recall back over that new year holiday period the fed minutes from the december meeting revealed that in addition to rate hikes this year the fed's likely to shrink its balance sheet um and you know all of that was known as you say going into this meeting but some observers thought i think perhaps wrongly that the recent equity market weakness that we've seen, the situation on Europe's eastern flank with uh, Ukraine and Russia, might see Powell toe a slightly more dovish line. I mean, we didn't think so. His his hawkish pivot in recent uh, sort of weeks has been driven by the recognition and the need to hose down, tear away inflation, running, well, the headline rate running at 7%, which is denting American households' confidence in their paychecks. The White House is, is looking to the Fed to deal with this situation. I mean, and given that, and given that Powell's pivot was has lifted sort of the Fed's credibility with the markets, you know, look at break-even inflation expectations, they're down to 2.4, 2.39 from 2.7. So there's some empathy coming through there that was badly needed. Given that Powell really had to stay the course in this week's press conference, um, but he also he also he he was also quite vague. I mean, yes, he talked about the lift off in rates in March. He talked about the end of QE also in March. But there's no timeline or, or or detail on the number of rate hikes coming down the track. No timeline other than we need to talk about or the Fed FMC needs to talk about um, quantitative tightening, shrinking the balance sheet over the next couple of meetings before it comes up with a plan. So if you think about if he stayed just hawkish. But then ended up with that vagueness that may have disappointed, you know, the, the, the hawks, if you like. He needed to interject that press conference with these reminders, as you just highlighted, of this time it is different. The economy is very strong. The balance sheet has doubled in size during the pandemic. It's got a lower duration. Um, and we've got, you know, inflation sustainably at 2%, a very tight labour market. Um, and, and we've got a job to do. Now, I could say that, you know, let's fast forward 
four, five, six months and we get to a, a time where the Fed's got a couple of hikes behind it, the base effects start to come in, inflation starts to roll over, anxiety across the market will drop back a little bit and we'll be looking at this in a slightly different from a slightly different viewpoint. And I'm guessing at that point then people will have different views about where the Fed is going to go. Um, right here, right now, he's got a job to do and he's focused on that job and and he told us he's focused on it. And I think it's just it's it's, it's a reality check, isn't it? You know, that um, I'm going to do this and, um, you know, it's it's a wake up. But you can understand his vagueness, can't you? Because, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's so, so much uncertainty around right now. He, he probably doesn't want to commit too far into the future because he's not got a crystal ball to gaze into. In, indeed, you, you could wind that another way and say, don't think you know what uh, what the Fed is going to do, because we don't know what we're going to no, do. Exactly. Um, you yes. know, and, and as he said, you know, the Fed has, has set out the initial moves and then it's going to be guided by the data. So the two things they're looking at, obviously, are going to be inflation and jobless uh, numbers or the job numbers. We had the initial jobless claims down a little bit uh, the, uh, last night, and hopefully they'll, that'll continue, although it has slowed, of course, so far this year, hasn't it? I'm sure Omicron's got part of that. But look, inflation is more interesting, isn't it? And no sign of that uh, subsiding. Uh, we'll get more information on it today. we get the core PCE index, which, of course, was at uh, 4.7% year-on-year in November. Uh, December numbers out later today. I guess we're expecting it's going to rise, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, Phil. I think the, you know the, the market's looking for um, an annual core, core PCE uh, rate of about four point eight percent, just ticking up slightly from four point seven. I mean, the the view is that that the headline rate of inflation at seven percent is probably roundabout peaking, but the idea is that the core the core levels the core core readings will take um, a few extra months before they start to roll over. So just nudging up a little bit. We haven't quite seen the peak, mm. which looks like it's going to go above 5% in the, in the coming months. Right, and we get New Zealand's, or I should say we had New Zealand's inflation numbers yesterday, which didn't quite hit 6%, but not far off at 5.9%, 1.4% quarter on quarter. And obviously it is going to get higher. Uh, so the RBNZ will lift rates. It's uh, just a question of when, isn't it, and by how much. Uh, but let's move on to Europe. Uh, the euro versus the US dollar, it's almost like the perfect storm for the euro right now isn't it because we've got the us dollar up because of the rising great expectations better investment opportunities all that sort of stuff the euro is down not just because of the rising us dollar but also because of uh, how europe's been hit by omicron but also now we've got uh, rising uh, t- tensions in the ukraine as well uh, and we saw uh, german consumer confidence fall a, a fair bit yesterday as well as well uh, so, but you know, the, the whole situation with Ukraine. Very often, it, it, when when we have a tension like this, it hits equities, it hits currencies, and then it sort of rebounds back when everyone realizes that actually the the impact on business isn't that strong. Uh, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, before Christmas, we were thinking that uh, for these reasons, you know, what we've discussed with the Fed, um, and then switching gears to Europe and thinking about the impact of Omicron, and then, you know. <laughs> persistently higher energy prices in Europe that don't look like they're going to come down anytime soon. They could well spike aggressively higher again if there is, um, if, if President Putin decides to enter into, into Ukraine. Um, there's no relief there. Um, and this is going to be a hit to, you know, to, to businesses and to households. Um, you know, if, if, if you're faced with higher energy prices, you'll end up spending less on other things. We had thought that this, this was an issue that, w- that play, would play for euro dollars downside, perhaps towards 110, maybe even lower to 108. But it was the dog that didn't bark. Now it looks like um, that's coming round again. And it's taken, it's taken the Fed to, you know, um, 
stamp its authority on where it where it where it thinks it wants to go to sort of jolt the market into things so of course the tensions to your point in on on Europe's eastern flank have have got worse um i guess the encouraging thing about this is you know nato the nato the, the west still wants to, you know a peaceful resolution they still want dialogue it looks like you know they they've gone back to putin with an, an addressing his requests clearly saying you can't have what you want in terms of you know the any eastward expansion of nato that might include ukraine at some further date that's for them to decide you can't have that but the but but, but what else can we do um in terms of you know, nuclear testing and uh, you know those kinds of things. Perhaps there is a way. We don't know. This is now the ball is in Putin's court. He's got to decide on those responses. He had a response from the US and from Europe, and we'll see where it goes. And we can just hope that um, you know that, that that actually he that inside all this he never really thought he would get what he what he's been asking for, but but might accept settle for something else. Yeah. We hope that that's the way it goes. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, my point was just how often do we see tensions like this, uh, which the markets react to, and then they realise, you know, for example, in the United States, it's not on their soil, so is it really going to impact uh, their, how businesses perform and uh, therefore how the markets perform? But look, we'll see how it affects uh, Germany and the Europe right, when we down the track. And as you say, energy prices are going to be a big part of it, but they are still already. And we get German GDP today. Yes. Last time, quarter-on-quarter, quarter, it was 1.7%. Year-on-year, it was 2.5%. That's a long way from the United States, and uh, uh, the expectation is that this flash read for for Q4 is is going to fall today. So, I mean, already those numbers are showing a big divide. Yeah, they are. Um, so, the consensus is for a negative number. Um, there is a quite a wide um, consensus view there. They could just creep into the, into the low single digits. Um, but I think mm. I think more importantly, it's the backdrop. It's this. This is just showing you that Germany is very very vulnerable when it comes to um, a slowdown in manufacturing and the service sector um, and Q1 is likely because of Omicron to be even weaker I mean I think there's any doubt that Q1 will be negative in Germany and so the good news if you want to look for that is is that once we get through Q2 things are going to start picking back up again we are in this you know so so Q4 mm. and Q, Q1 are not going to look particularly great um, but then you know, Q2, it looks good at the moment, but again, to, to the conversation about what happens in the in the Ukraine, I mean, yeah, well, uh, well temper things. Well, maybe not. Track. Hopefully, it'll all be sorted out by then, and we can just uh, we can just go with that positive tone. And look, uh, talking about confidence, Europe's economic confidence numbers today—they may not be so great right now, but as you say, they're only going to get better. The University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index is out today as well. Consumer confidence for New Zealand today—we get to see how everybody is feeling. How good are they feeling? I'm fairly confident that uh, Ash Barty is going to win the uh, the Open at the weekend. I'm sure just about half the population of Australia, if not more, is going to be watching. Uh, and they're going to win. Australia's going to win at the men's doubles as well. I only say that because uh, it's men, Australia versus Australia. <laughs> that one, so they can't lose. Thanks, Gavin. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again on uh, Monday morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.